Thank you, Brother Nathan. Those were very meaningful songs. I can hardly believe this week is over already. It just seemed to go by very fast. And um, just wanted to say a few things of thanks here. I would say that I have felt unusually free in preaching this week. You know, sometimes preaching comes out really difficult and it feels like I'm turning a crank and it's barely coming out. <laughs> and this week has been... Um, I'm not always sure what people are hearing, but I, I can tell when it feels free for me to preach. And um, so I believe that's a result of prayer. And I know many of you are praying, and I had other friends that were praying, and so I, I feel very indebted to, to those of you that prayed for these meetings and for me. <clears throat> As usual, when I come to uh, an end of a series of meetings like this, I feel very rich. I feel like I've gained more than I have given. And so just want to thank all of you. You've reached out to me, to, to uh, my wife and children this weekend, and um, I feel very rich, and it's your fault. So God bless you for that. Thank you. Thank you for many of you uh, gave expressions of gratitude and encouragement. That is a blessing. And I want to thank you for sharing that with me this week, this past week. To Sam and Kathy and Tommy and Joel, we have really enjoyed, I have enjoyed, we have enjoyed being in your home and getting to know you better. Been very blessed. Thank you so much. You've been wonderful hosts. I told a couple of people this week that it takes an army to keep uh, someone from jumping over the cliff. And what I mean by that, just thinking about my own life in the past and seeing some of you out there who when I lived here, were part of that army that was trying to keep me from um, perishing, if you will. And there's numbers of you here, like Brother Leon, Brother Milo, Sister Mary Sue, and um, my family. Um, Fanny Martin is another one. I wish I would have been able to see her this week. Their home was always open to me and to many. Brother Rich is one. And many of you prayed for me, some of you old times at least. I was on the prayer list all the time, I'm sure. And uh, Thank you for that. And don't stop now. If, if the Lord brings me to your mind in the days ahead, just that means you're supposed to pray. I just want to tell you this as a church. I'm not, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not God. Obviously, you know that. And, uh, but this is, this is just how I feel as I come to the end of the week. To tell you, I know you went through some things as a church, and you probably still will continue. I just want to tell you that I, I have come to this conclusion that you are a relevant expression of the kingdom of God. You are. And if you are not, you can be. It's not, if you are not, it would have more to do, I believe, with apathy and attitudes than the model or the way that you do church. 
I just see some core ingredients for a lively, sustainable church here. I've seen that in you this past week. I just want to encourage you. Go for it. And by the way, I was going to remind you this morning that um, if you do have that family picture and you forgot to bring it, you can get my address from someone and send it our way. Let's stand together one more time and say our theme verses for the week. John 7, 37 and 38. All together, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. John seven thirty seven and 38. You may be seated. <clears throat> the message this evening is the last of a series of three messages I had preached at home about spiritual warfare. And it was inspired by the story of Jose from Costa Rica. I'm just wondering if any of you got any of those emails from Mark Yoder um, from Costa Rica, my first cousin, Pablo's brother. Pablo's the famous Yoder down there, but uh, Mark is a pastor in Costa Rica. We were down as a family um, in January, this past January, and visited with different ones of Sanford's family and, and the cousins. And met, we were with Marks one day, and he began to share this story about Jose. He's a converted brujo, and a brujo is a male witch, uh, a, a Satanist. <clears throat> and just after Mark shared that story, I was so not sure how to say it. Impressed is not really the right word. I was so moved, I guess. And I said to Mark, I said, this story has to be shared. (laughs) And I wish I could share that story with you tonight. But I can't do that. I don't have time to do that. But Jose had been, uh, I'll just share just a a couple little things, and then we want to go into the sermon here in just a little bit. Jose, as a boy, was introduced to Satanism by his father. And then he, he uh, was free of it through his teen years, and as, uh, when he got closer to an, a young adult, he, he was invited, and he capitulated, and became involved again. He had a lot of power, um, <clears throat> and he came to Mark for help, and Mark had some very amazing encounters with Jose. Um, Frightening and amazing. And I guess the thing that impressed me the most was, I mean, some of this stuff is very, very frightening. could be very frightening. And yet, what was affirming about the story was how the, the things that we've read in the Bible about the power of God and the power of Christ Jesus were, were verified in this story. And how the, the tremendous power of Satan getting a hold of a man. And how these, these devils would, would, would begin to manifest themselves in, in Jose. And would begin to speak in other voices. And even 
speaking in, in English. Of course, this was all Spanish-speaking country. They would sometimes speak in English. And uh, the wrestling that Mark and his co-pastors and, and many were involved in in helping Jose to be free. And he would, he would come free, and, and many times uh, Mark would would tell him to say the name of Jesus and he and and these demons would be speaking and trying to pronounce the word Jesus they couldn't pronounce it right and he always knew he's not free he's not free yet there was one time that Jose's wife and her her mother-in-law were in their house Jose had been out and was angry and suddenly he started coming toward the house, possessed by these demons, and, and he was he was they they locked him out, locked locked their own husband out of the house. And uh, <clears throat> and how would you feel if your own husband is walking, stomping around on the porch, cursing and 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 pounding on the door and trying to get in, speaking in the voice of a devil? And as Jose looked through the window, he saw his mother standing inside praying. And he looked through the window and he said, Get that rag off your head! <laughs> Referring to her veiling. Get that rag off your head! I don't remember exactly what she said. She said, No. She said, I'm covered by the blood of Christ. Something like that. <laughs> And when she said the name of Christ or Jesus, he just he was knocked back against the porch rail, down. And there were numbers of things like that that happened, just the, the amazing power of God that was manifested in that journey, that story. <clears throat> the title for tonight's sermon is, We Wrestle Against Spiritual Powers of Darkness. These are seven words that are taken from Ephesians 6, verse 12. And they're not exactly in the same sequence. You find them in the, in the verse. But those seven words are all in that verse. We wrestle against spiritual powers of darkness. The Living Bible paraphrase explains verse 12 this way. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. What battles are you fighting tonight? James 4 verse 1 speaks of one kind of battle. That verse says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members. So sometimes, the battle that we face is this one right here. It's trying to live for God while wrestling with a strong internal desire for something that God calls sin. And this is my battle. How to say no to resentment, to jealousy, to lust, to the love of money. When the desire is so strong, this is my battle. Another battle is to find purpose and fulfillment and significance in my Christian life. And we can come to church and 
sing the songs and say the words, and meanwhile we're finding it, finding it dry and difficult in here. Maybe nobody else knows, but the truth is, your Christian life is not fulfilling to you, and you are struggling. This is my battle. These are battles that are real, they must, and they must be won. But I believe there's another battle God has called us to, and that is that I would wrestle spiritually in such a way that the result... <clears throat> will expand the borders of the kingdom of God. I wonder sometimes if some of our battles are not much of a threat to the devil. We're so busy wrestling in here. But when firmly rooted Christians wrestle spiritually in such a way that cause him to lose his grip, his influence, and his property in the world, I believe Satan becomes alarmed and even afraid because he knows this is a battle that he cannot win. If you haven't turned there already, I would invite you to turn to Ephesians 6. Now when we look at Ephesians 6 and going to verse 10, we often think of armor and we think of defense against a very powerful enemy. And there are, in this passage, there, are, there is armor of defense, and then there's weapons of offense. So tonight I would like to look at, the, at weapons of offense, and there are three that I see in this passage that I would like to focus on, and one of your brothers here can preach a message sometime about the, the armor of defense. <clears throat> we wrestle against spiritual powers of darkness. Verse 10. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You know, I think of Paul going through the... This is a really amazing book. The book of Ephesians is, is packed with, with so much truth and so, many, so much good counsel and and then he comes to the end of the book. It's his last, you know, the, the uh, church at Ephesus, I believe, was a place that Paul perhaps loved the most. Or he spent the most time there anyway. He very personally concerned about them. You remember in, um, is it in Acts 20, where he, he knelt on the shore and he called the Ephesian elders to come and they cried, they fell on his neck. And it's because he, they would never see him again. He just felt so burdened for them. And he comes down to the end, he's writing, I don't know, was he in prison or where he was? And he's writing this letter, he's like, man, I just want you guys to get it. I just want you guys to make it. And so he says, you know, it's, it's almost like he's saying, you know, if you forget some of the other stuff, I, somebody told me this, uh, this afternoon, some of your messages were running together. <laughs> so I know you're going to forget some of the stuff I said. But we come down to the end of this week, and we have, I would say this to you, finally, my brother, if you forget everything else I said, be strong in the Lord. You know, I could say, if you forget everything else I said, pass out tracks every Saturday afternoon in Lynchburg. You know what? You should do that. But before you do that, you should do this. If you forget everything else I said, you have to have strong muscle in here. You have to. 
and the power of His mind. And so somehow you have to have such a vulnerable soul that you let Him in. And the power, the power of God is, you know what I talked about this morning, that squeeze of the Holy Spirit. If you forget everything else I said, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So, Part of the package that I see here is he is, you know, is exactly like what Sam was saying. Put the mask on you first. That's what this verse is saying. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. God cares deeply about the preservation of your personal salvation. There are, I'll just mention the armor of, well, let's keep on reading. For you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore. And then it goes down through the armor. <clears throat> we'll look at that in just a minute. This armor of defense. Stand there for having your loins girt about with truth. So here we start with the, with, the, um, with the defense part. Your loins girt about with truth. You have to love truth. You ha- don't have to just obey truth and know truth. You have to love truth. You know, because naturally we're tended to love myself. You have to love truth more than you love yourself. So when you're confronted with, man, I really would love to do this or that. But you know what the truth is. See, if we don't love truth, we're going to go with self. So we have to love truth. That's, one of the, that's the first piece that it talks about to, to be girt about with truth. And then the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod. And I believe, and we want to look at that in just a minute, that the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, I think that is a weapon of offense. I want to explain to you why I believe that in just a minute. Then it goes on in verse 16, talking about more defense, the shield of faith, above all the shield of faith. And I don't know that it necessarily means more important than all the rest, but it may mean you put on all the armor and then you have this thing that shields all the rest of you with faith. It's the, it's the outer perimeter, if you will. It doesn't mean that the helmet of salvation is less important. Wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked in the helmet of salvation. And here's another, and then here comes the last two uh, weapons of offense, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and then prayer, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now there's two reasons, I believe, for the armor of defense. And one is, it's like this life is like a big battlefield. And you were birthed into the kingdom of God, or you came into this world, and you know, you, you, here's eternity in the past, here's eternity in the future, and you're in this little slot of time right here. 
You have to go from the beginning of your slot of time to the end of your slot of time safely without. It's like going across a battlefield. You're in Iraq and there's landmines all across, scattered across. You don't, they're not marked. Somehow you have to get across to the other side without getting your leg blown off. And so you need the armor. And in the same way, you know, Satan is full of, you know, he comes like a roaring lion, <laughs> comes as the angel of light. In all many forms, to get you somewhere between the beginning and the end to keep you from making it to the other side safely. So part the first reason for the armor is for having on the armor of defense is to get from one side of the battlefield to the other without getting killed. There's another purpose for the armor. That is so that you can actively wrestle with evil and advance the kingdom of God without getting killed yourself. So in other words, so you can be on offense. So you can wrestle, so you're equipped to wrestle. In verse 12, looking at verse 12 again, hidden in this verse, I believe, it says in verse 12, we wrestle. We wrestle. Hidden in this verse is the reason you exist. This is your purpose statement right here. This is what you're called to do. You're called to wrestle. And that's why it says, going back to verse 10, talking about being strong in the Lord, and verse 11, put on the equipment and the preparation and all this. It's so that you will wrestle. So that you're equipped to wrestle. So you can comfortably wrestle. I had to think of this <clears throat> some time ago. I told you that I'm a swingman at Newmar at the... I'm, I work at a factory that makes motorhomes, and I get moved around in different departments. And so once in a while, I get to help out in the weld shop. And uh, they give you certain equipment, certain armor of defense in the weld shop. And so as I would, in the morning, I'd put on all this stuff. I, began, I thought of this passage. And so I began to put on the stuff in the sequence that it was given here in these verses. And I would say to myself, because you know, it's, it's, easy, it's easy for me to, to just focus on the temporal things of life and not realize that I'm in the battle today. I'm, I'm working with other men that I could lose my temper with. It just wherever I am, or I'm in my home, wherever I am, I'm in the battle. I need to be wrestling, not, not fighting against flesh and blood, but advancing the kingdom and expanding the borders of his kingdom. And so I, would, <clears throat> I got out my, my chaps and I put them on those first and I'd say... Um, the loins girt about with truth. Put the chaps on. And then get out the green jacket. And put that on, say, and the, and the breastplate of righteousness. And then I have these little leathers that I snap onto my shoes to keep the weld sparks from ruining my shoes. And my feet shot. Put that on next. And the helmet of salvation. That's a little skull beanie cap you put on. The shield of faith. That's your welding helmet. And the sword of the Spirit, that's the welder, which is the Word of God. Now, working in a weld shop is, is a dangerous place. I'm just, I would ask you, I will ask you, well, what's the danger, what's the purpose of all the equipment? What are the dangers in a weld shop? Somebody tell me. Okay. There you go. There's the two biggest ones. There's heat and there's light. 
So I had to think, what if I would go to work one day, and I'm supposed to help in the weld shop today, and I would, I would put on all this equipment, and I would walk back and forth in the weld shop from the front to the back all day long, eight hours. And I get to the end, and I say to my group leader, you know, I, I went all day today, and I didn't get blinded once, and I didn't get burned once, and I, but I never welded once. Whoops. I'd probably get fired. Because you see, I went into the weld shop to weld. That's really why I'm there. I'm not there just to not get burned. Just to not get blinded. I'm there to do something. And I've been given this armor so that I can do it comfortably. And in the same way. so many Sometimes as Christians, that's how we live our Christian life. It's just... We could walk from one end to the other just so I don't get killed. My personal salvation is all taken care of. I make it all to the way to the end. Whoops. I didn't weld. Your armor is so that you can comfortably wrestle. And what would that include? <clears throat> and, and, and I think it's like Sam was saying in the devotional tonight. You know, the, the beginning, the beginning is my personal victory. My personal walk. That has to be the first battle that I win. Was that the only battle that I win? We are called to wrestle. And that's what he's saying here in this passage. You be strong in the Lord because you need to wrestle. You're called to this. Your life should stretch the borders of the kingdom of God. And I think there's some things. We could make a big long list. I'll just point out a couple things that came to my mind. One, the, first one, the first one that I thought about, and we want to look at this some more in a little bit, is beyond my personal victory, then how can I wrestle? One way would be through right prayers. Where I'm not just praying for myself. I am praying for myself. But beyond that, like Jesus said, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. I think prayer is one way that we enter into the battle. And we wrestle, for sure. Right prayers. Right attitudes. You know, Satan would love to tear you guys apart with wrong attitudes, suspicion, ill will, and unforgiveness. Despair, discouragement. He's, he's inviting you to do that. <laughs> right attitudes is a powerful way to wrestle. And right values. We talked about that, I think it was Tuesday evening, about the, the, value, the things that heaven values. I embrace what is valuable in heaven. This world loves money. The kingdom says, give away money. This world loves to decorate themselves. The kingdom says, decorate the inside. The world says, pursue pleasure. The kingdom says, pursue service. 
when I embrace what is valuable in heaven. I think Satan gets so frustrated with that. And it's a way, one way, that we wrestle. I would like to look now at the first, the three, we're going to look at three weapons of offense tonight. And the first one is found in verse 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Another translation says, Verse 15, your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And that's what that word means. The King James says, calls it preparation. And it mean, what it means is readiness. So it's actually not what you're doing, but it's the readiness, it's the preparation in the heart. <clears throat> that word readiness or preparation. <clears throat> it's like the putting on of Christ is like putting on the attitude of a soldier. It's like a watchfulness. And this same word, readiness, is used in various forms in the New Testament. This, it, right here in this verse, it's, it's in a noun form. I'm not very good with my English, but that, I read that in the book. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but this same word is used two times over in Luke chapter 12. And this is the attitude that it talks about. I just want to read you a few verses out of Luke 12. You're going to be familiar with this story. And this same word is used in a, like a verb form or an adjective form over here in Luke 12. Luke 12.35 says, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And you yourselves liken to men that wait for their Lord. So these guys aren't doing anything. They're just waiting in readiness. It'd be like tonight, we're supposed to go over to Gabriel's after church. I know what's going to happen. We'll be the last ones to leave. <laughs> And Gabriel will be at home waiting, waiting. But you know what? I know what's going to happen over there. They're going to be sitting there in readiness. They're not going to turn the lights out and go to bed. They're going to be like it says in verse 35. Their loins are girded about and the light's burning. The lights are on. Someone is coming. And I'm, 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 I'm waiting with readiness. You yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, he shall gird himself and make them sit down at meat and will come and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, or in other words, if he would come on the second or third watch and find them watching and ready, blessed are those servants. And then in verse 40, it says this, and here's the word. Be ye therefore ready also. In the next several verses, it gives the story of the servant who said in his heart, a servant, you see, a servant is like a Christian. It's equivalent to the Christian. The servant, this servant, a Christian who said in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. He shall begin to beat the manservants and maidens, eat and drink and be drunken. And the Lord of that servant, Jesus, comes in a day when he looks not for him, and an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him asunder 
and will appoint him his portion with the unbeliever. And then we find that same readiness word in verse 47, the next verse, it says, And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, who was not in readiness, same word, shall be beaten with many stripes. It is a mission mindset that is birthed by the Holy Spirit. To where when I come into the kingdom of God, it's not, I guess I said this earlier in the week, it's not, it's not that I can just relax now and the mission is accomplished because I'm saved and I'm a Christian. But it's rather, now I'm ready. Now I'm watching. Now I'm, I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. I have a, whatever mission God lays before me. This is one of the weapons of offense that Christians must have for our calling. A Christian without a mission is vulnerable, I believe. That's the first weapon of offense, is that spirit of readiness. We find the second weapon of offense in verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation, and here it is, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What if we would say that verse, turn that verse around and say it the other way? The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. You see how, how important the Bible is because when we incorporate it into our life and we incorporate it into our speech and we incorporate it into our memory, and we incorporate it into our desires. And then, then it comes out of us. It's the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. <laughs> Try it. If you're struggling in relationships, the Scripture says a soft answer turneth away wrath. Try it. And watch the sword of the Spirit. You see, the, the, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of that and witnesses with that. It's hard to argue with that. If you're battling discouragement, and Scripture says, looking unto Jesus, lest you be weary and faint in your minds, embrace that and watch the sword of the Spirit. And talk to, talk to some stranger about God. And, 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 and don't wait too long before you bring in the sword of the Spirit. Because it is the sword of the Spirit that, that wins the argument. <laughs> talk to unbelievers and, and say to them, I try to initiate conversations with people that I meet here and there and maybe start in the natural and you ask questions about their life and their job and their family and you're looking for that little opportunity. You're waiting in readiness. (laughs) And they say so and so. And then you say, you know, that reminds me of a verse in the Bible that says, what do you think about that? I've been impressed that I feel like, you know, it's the battle is the Lord's. It's the sword of the Spirit. We use the Word of God. You know, and if I'm not really in Christ the way that I should be, if I'm not really, you know, just quoting a few words out of the Bible, 
It's, it becomes infused with the Holy Spirit when you are infused with Christ. Does that make sense? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, we need to become students of the Word of God. It's something that every one of you can do. From the youngest to the oldest. Because this is the sword that God has made available to you. There's a big sword right here. Do you know how to wield it? The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. Finally, the last weapon is prayer. Verse 18. Praying always. Doesn't the Bible say pray without ceasing? With all prayer and supplication. The NIV says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit, by the way. That's what it says. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I wonder if this is the most important one of all. And maybe the one we struggle with the most. You know how it is to have your list? And I think we should have those lists and we should pray through those lists. Have you ever felt like you came to prayer and you finished your prayer and you hadn't prayed yet? <laughs> you ever feel that way? You know, we talked about that in our, in our men's prayer group tonight about Hannah and the Bible and how she poured out her soul. I think that's how it said. She poured out her soul to God. God help us. And maybe that's something we develop. But that when we pray, that's what it is. It's pouring out my soul to God. I don't stop praying until I've really prayed. This is one that we can trick ourselves, where we, Lord, help the preachers and help the and help the the school children and help the missionaries and help those in prison and bless me today. And there's no burden. And I'm not sure we've wrestled yet. Do you know, I'm thankful. I was praying with a brother one time. Some of you might know Brother Alan Roth. He's just a man of prayer. I love Alan. I hardly ever see the man, but I see him once in a blue moon. And when, we, when I see him, he says, do you want to go on a prayer walk? I remember one time walking him. With, it was raining, and so we took the umbrella, and he was holding it and kind of walking ahead of him. I had to stay close beside him so I wouldn't get wet. And he would, he would say, now, you... you What's your list? And, and he'd tell me his list, and then we would just pray back and forth as we walked. I remember him saying, in the King James, there's a verse that says something about making mention of you in my prayers. And so the list was so long that some of these people just got a mention of their name. That's all they got. But you know what? That was in the Bible too, making mention of you. So sometimes we wrestle with something for a long time, or we should. And sometimes it's, oh, I remember so-and-so, Brother Ivan, his eyesight. Lord bless Ivan today. We just make that mention in faith and God can move.
So pray those sentence prayers. Pray in public. Pray in private. Pray in secret. Pray earnestly. I believe it's like, prayer is like, in the great warfare, it's like all the missiles that go ahead of time and start softening up the enemy. (laughs) And then the ground troops come in. That's you. I think, I'm going to close here in just a minute. I've thought about your church a lot this week, and I'm sure I will continue to do so. And I don't have the formula and the recipe to make you healthy and perfect, but I know God does. But you know what, what I tend to think of is I wonder if you would, you know, if you would do this more, or communicate in this way more, and maybe you should initiate this and have people come and do this more. That's the way I tend to think. I think that stuff about our church. Maybe if we do this, it would, you know, the people would be more. And those are all good. But it's just that, I guess what I'm getting here tonight, it's the bottom line, I guess, is that first, though, first comes this. This comes first. Preparing the way for a healthy church and a healthy testimony and reaching out to those that are lost, not just camping on preserving your own salvation, that you would be someone that has put the armor on, your salvation is secure, the mask is on, and you start welding That's what you're here for. You're not here to wander around and say, I didn't get burned today. But you are here to weld. You're here to wrestle. In closing, isn't it amazing and sobering that you are God's last line of defense against the devil? God did not say, and then I'm going to send all my angels, and you know, I believe the angels are coming, but he's, I'm going to send all my angels And you guys can go fishing and all my angels are going to do all the wrestling and it's going to work out real nice. No, it's you. You are called to wrestle against these powerful devils that you are no match for. And God is expecting you and me. He's depending on us to be those who know how to break down and pour out our soul before God and wrestle. He's not going to do all the work. He wants you to wrestle. I wonder if some of you are fighting the wrong battles. I don't know. I'm just asking the question. Discouragement, resentment, Suspicion, ill will, despair. Or worse yet, you're not fighting a battle at all because you've cooled off and you've settled down into lukewarmness, indifference, or apathy. I believe if we are indifferent to the cause of the kingdom of God during our time on this earth, the result is to put our own personal salvation at risk and the borders of the kingdoms will never move. The Christian life is an uphill climb is going against the flow. And if we begin to drift along with the current, we may end up at the wrong destination. No, God specifically puts you here to wrestle. This is your job description. You can be part of the eternal strategy in the hands of God to move the borders of the kingdom, to change the boundary marks so that God's kingdom will increase 
and Satan's will diminish. You can give your will to God. You can be dressed in readiness. You can become a student of the Word of God. And you can pray effectively. May God bless you and equip you and strengthen you to wrestle well for God and against the spiritual powers of darkness. May the kingdom of heaven come into your hearts and to this community through your church in the days and months ahead. I've learned to love you all. May God bless you real, real, real good. Let's bow our heads for prayer, and then afterwards I just wanted to open it up for any confessions or testimonies, anything you'd like to share. Then I want to turn it over to Sam to close the meeting. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I, we depend on you. Lord, in our own strength, we are no match for the devil. In our own strength, we don't know how to walk. We don't know how to live. We don't know how to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth in our own strength. Father, I just pray that you would birth in this church, in these dear people, Lord, a deeper desire for the things of God, for the things of heaven. Lord, a greater burden. Lord, I think without a burden, it is hard to pray. It is hard to wrestle in prayer. When we have no burden, give us the right burdens, Father, for our families, for our children, for our church, for our community. Oh, Lord, may the kingdom of heaven come through this church for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.